We welcome you back to Senior Moments with Bob Johnson. Today, in Episode 6, Bob shares a story of intrigue and mystery from his early years, despite living an exemplary life as an accomplished citizen, business executive, community leader, husband, father, grandparent, and author, he today reveals an impish plot that reigned terror upon his hometown. In doing so, he illustrates the fact that even the most righteous and honorable may still harbor a dark side, or at least a gray shadow. It is my pleasure once more to present your mentor and host, Bob Johnson, with Cleverly Crafted Confession Cracks Cold Case Crime. Hi, today I'm going to confess to a long-ago crime, and uh, just to set your mind at ease, I am not Jack the Ripper, I am not the Zodiac Killer, I'm not even the Boston Strangler. In fact, the crimes to which I am uh, confessing today had no real victims, Uh, they could have, but they didn't, Uh, and they uh, did no property damage that we're aware of, Uh, but uh, they've been on my conscience ever since, and I will have a much clearer conscience after talking about this. Uh, I grew up in a small town uh, in upstate New York, and wanted to make it clear that I'm not going to mention the name of the town, just in case they're still looking for me up there. I'm going to set the scene of a little tavern in this little town uh, of uh, six Young men sitting around the in a table in the back of the tavern one June night in 1947. All of them had graduated from the high school in town the year before and were good buddies. Three of them had gone off to college in the year in between and uh, were com- coming back to share their experiences with uh, their three friends who uh, had been working for a living during that period of time. The main part of discussion was what a sleepy little town we lived in. About 5,000 people. I've been in Walmarts. I seem to be uh, to be bigger than uh, my town, although that might have been an optical illusion. Uh, just to give you an example of what a what a little town it was, if I were to sit down at the uh, telephone and pick it up and say three eight four, please, to call my girlfriend, uh, the one telephone operator in town might very well come back with, oh, Bob, I think Betty went uh, shopping with her mother. Uh, She'll probably be home around five o'clock. Maybe you ought to try her again then. That's the kind of town we were living in. Or if you want to take your your girlfriend to the one movie house in town, uh, you uh, you couldn't sit in the balcony because there wasn't any balcony. And if you wanted to see a romantic movie, you usually had a choice between this week, uh, Tarzan of the Apes, and maybe uh, next week, uh, the Frankenstein monster. But this was a charming little town, but boy, was it sleepy. And as uh, I might mention one other aspect of small town life, we had all volunteer firemen. 
Uh, the only person that uh, was paid in the, by the town was the fire chief. Everybody else was a volunteer, and if there was a fire in town, the fire chief uh, had a big whistle blown from the town hall, and that would give a, a code as to where the fire was, and everybody who was a volunteer fireman would run and uh, to that part of town and uh, grab a hose and try to put the fire out. These uh, men uh, who were volunteer firemen needed money once in a while, and so it was customary in all of the small towns in that part of New York State to have a fireman's carnival once a year, usually uh, in an area well outside of town where they'd, uh, uh, the people who operated these things would uh, show up uh, with a, uh, a Ferris wheel and a merry-go-round and cotton candy, and, and they'd usually have a fireworks show just to uh, wind up the evening. So as the six of us uh, young 18-year-olds were sitting around that evening chatting uh, after disposing of our little town and how sleepy it was, one of them said, I was at the Fireman's Carnival over at East Rochester the other night. This, man, this boy's name was Wendy. That's the only name you're going to hear. And uh, Wendy said that they had some fireworks at the end. That they weren't really uh, pyrotechnics, but they went up in the air about 100 feet, and that was the loudest explosion I ever heard. And, you know, we started putting those two ideas together. That's what 18-year-old boys do. Not that they understand the consequences of their actions, but uh, they're pretty good at putting things together. And we said, wouldn't it be fun to wake up this sleepy little town uh, with a, a few of those fireworks? Well, at that point, it was absolutely illegal for individuals to have anything to do with fireworks. That was all done by professionals in New York State, and that was a pretty strongly worded law with some fairly serious consequences for either buying or setting off fireworks in New York State. Well, that wasn't going to stop us, so we kind of uh, looked around at each other and said, uh, uh, we asked Wendy, did he happen to know the name of the fireworks uh, company? And he, he happened to. It was quite nearby. And uh, they all looked at me and said, uh, "Gee, Johnson, uh, why don't you uh, why don't you see if you can get us some of those firecrackers, the, the, the big the big bang explosions?" And uh, so at that point, I volunteered. The next day, I went to the only phone booth in town and the only drugstore in town, and uh, so they couldn't trace the call just in case. And I called the fireworks factory. And I told him about having been in, I told him I was the uh, the new fire chief in Bushnell's Basin. And we were going to have a fireman's carnival pretty soon. And I was over at East Rochester the other night, and I heard some of those really big bangs that they have. And he said, I know exactly what you're talking about. And uh, I said, uh, could, uh, could we buy some of those? How much are they? He told me. And I said, I'll send my son over tomorrow to pick them up. He said, that'll be fine. Well... Uh, no problem. They sold him the fireworks after we pooled our resources to be able to buy them. But then we ran into a problem with our plot to blow up our hometown. The Wendy brought the fireworks home and put them up in the attic of his home, waiting for us to uh, develop our plan further. Wendy's father discovered them there. Uh, Wendy's, uh, Wendy was soon interrogated by his father, and uh, his father was a good guy, though. He said, I'll tell you what. You promise Wendy to withdraw from the whole procedure, and I will not say a word to anybody, and you can give the fireworks to the other guys, which we thought was pretty neat, and we avoided a crisis right there. So, 
We all uh, decided on when we were going to do this. We all picked areas of the town where we thought it would be fun to set these off. One of them was the high school football field, which was big enough that uh, we didn't think there'd be any damage to uh, nearby uh, homes. And uh, I picked a a big open lot uh, toward the end of the street where uh, a girlfriend lived that I'd just broken up with and I was a little upset with. I thought that'd be kind of fun to wake her up and her parents as well. Oh, we were nasty when we were 18. And uh, we picked uh, three other parts of town where we could set these things off. And came the appointed night, we uh, coordinated our watches. I told my parents who lived near the high school football field that, oh, by the way, if you hear a big noise in the middle of the night, don't worry about it. Well, this was a time when people tended to worry about big noises because the Soviet Union and the United States were in the middle of an arms race. The Cold War had started just two years before, but was uh, people were expecting uh, the possibility of war between our two nations very soon. And so uh, there was uh, quite a bit of concern. And so my parents, uh, they decided, well, our crazy 18-year-old is going to do something funny, but at least it doesn't sound like the Russians are coming. So... That night, I uh, left the home after warning my parents and uh, drove to the appointed uh, vacant field, uh, set the little, uh, not the big, not the little, the big firework up, found the fuse, uh, lit a match, checked my watch to make sure I was the first one at the right exact time, lit it, and ran like the Dickens tore my car, which was about 150 feet away. About halfway there, all of a sudden, the whole world lit up, and I heard the loudest noise I just ever heard in my whole life. Uh, That thing really was a big bang. And uh, made it back to the car, and uh, each of us uh, went to our appointed homes that night after hearing all of the other big bangs, five in a row, all about uh, half minute to a minute apart. And uh, next morning, everybody was abuzz in town about uh, the explosions that took place right at two o'clock in the morning. What a crazy thing, and what was it? And does anybody have an explanation? Well, by coincidence at that point, I was working for the uh, hometown newspaper. And uh, I'd been doing that in high school part-time, and now uh, I was back there for the summer after my first year of college. And uh, I went to the editor and I said I'd be delighted to write the story about the mysterious explosions. I thought that would be kind of ironic if the guy that did it also got to write about it. Unfortunately, the editor said, this is too big a story for you to write, Johnson. I'm going to write it myself, said the editor. And uh, I was quite anxious to see what he came up with, and he did a pretty good job. Uh, the uh, The one thing that really sticks in my mind uh, is a quotation from the police chief who said, I did think the Russians were coming. And uh, everybody was abuzz. As far as I know, they're still looking for the perpetrators of that outrage uh, up in that little town in upstate New York. Uh, I'm careful when I get there, but uh, uh, so far they they don't seem to uh, have identified me. Uh, One of the uh, ironic parts of it all is uh, just... Almost exactly one year earlier, I had I'd been standing behind the lectern on the stage uh, at the high school auditorium giving the valedictory address to friends and relatives, and I thought, wouldn't it be funny, well, it wouldn't be so funny, if just one year later I wound up in the town jail. 
What were the crimes? Well, number one, I was an imperson- I am personally impersonated a somebody whom I wasn't, and uh, for uh, the purposes of a crime. Number two was our purchase of the fireworks that was against the law, and number three was the setting off the, f- the fireworks that was against the law. And here I might insert a little warning. Uh, If you're uh, 18 years old or in that general area and thinking, gee, wouldn't that be fun to do in my town? Don't. I strongly urge you, don't. Too many things can go wrong. We just got very lucky because not one of us got killed by our amateurish approach to some very serious fireworks. Uh, We didn't happen to get apprehended. Uh, We could have caused a lot of property damage, but we didn't. And there was absolutely no word of anyone having a heart attack when uh, 5,000 people were awakened in the middle of the night at uh, about 2 o'clock in the morning, uh, uh, wondering what that was all about. Looking back on it now, uh, would I do it today? Of course not. I'm 90 years old. I'm an old man. And I've learned uh, that uh, uh, actions have consequences. And uh, if I had that, those inhibitions when I was 18, I would have said, guys, you go ahead and do what you want, but I'm leaving the, the place right now. It makes a difference. The older you get, the more you realize that everything you do in life is going to affect the lives of others. Sometimes it's possible that we do things that affect others in a negative way. And when you get old enough and away from those teenage years, which are so dangerous, life becomes very different. And you begin to realize it's important for each of us to be concerned about what we do and the effect it will have on the other people. That's the only way we can possibly make the world a better place is to look at it that way. Thank you and enjoyed talking with you again. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Clever, crafted confession cracks cold case crime. And truly, we appreciate your continued support of our podcasting efforts. Today's musical accompaniment is appropriately entitled Unholy Night by Kevin McLeod and is available online at incoputech.com. Once again, this is technical geek Mr. Ivy on behalf of of Bob Johnson wishing you well and inviting you back for our next installment of Senior Moments with Bob Johnson.